Hello and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. I'm Lucinda Rouse, Senior Multimedia Reporter. And I'm Russell Hargrave, Senior News Reporter for Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. In this episode, we celebrate Trustees Week by talking about why it might be a good idea to bring down the average age of trustee boards and how to go about it. And in the Good News Bulletin a bit later on, we'll be talking about those philanthropic politicians donating their severance payments and appearance fees to charity. And yes, we'll also talk about the MPs who like to talk about how generous they are, but then get a little bit vague on the details. But first, at a time when less than 3% of trustees are under the age of 30, we ask, how can charities create the right environment for young people to thrive on boards? To help us get to the bottom of this, we decided to get the information straight from the horse's mouth and are lucky to be joined by two young trustees. First up is Liv Clark, a 20-year-old who calls herself a working-class gal loving all things change-making. Liv is juggling her studies at Manchester Metropolitan University with her job as a project coordinator at Young Manchester and is also a trustee of the Reclaim Project. Hello, Liv. Hello. And also with us today is Ria Shah. Ria holds the position of change manager at the Natural History Museum, which she took up after a few years working in the private sector. Earlier this year, she became a trustee for the Wildlife Trusts, where she leads the board on equality, diversity and inclusion issues. Welcome, Ria, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. First up, and either of you or both of you can answer this, it's the obvious question in a way, what made you decide to become a trustee? What drove that decision for you? Um, I think for me, it's about being the voice for the young people that aren't on the board and representing those who aren't always heard by society and taking that position to work with adults. What about you, Ria? I think for me, I joined because I just was really passionate about the organisation and actually I felt that there was a space in the movement and across the charity sector for actually diversifying boards. So there was actually, you know, the 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 shift towards making things inclusive and trying to get different people on boards. And perhaps now is a good time to recap what trustee boards are actually there for. So trustees exist to make sure that the charity is operating as it should, achieving its purpose properly and legally managed and is also operating in a financially sound way. Now, why do both of you think it's important to have younger people on trustee boards and how can they help fulfill that mandate? I think for me, it's about having young people represent their thoughts and feelings rather than having adults speak on behalf of them. I think often adults like to assume what it is young people want because they have social media or they've got a child and we actually need to create the space for young people to speak their truth and show them that adults are willing to work with them and not for them and that they should be around the decision making tables and that their voice matters we can't keep telling young people that their voice matters and not having them at the tables so giving that autonomy to young people over their own futures is the most important thing. That's a very valid point. Um, do you think that that is the key reason why young people need to be on boards rather than that they are bringing skills or experiences or perspectives or whatever that helps a charity to, to run better? I think they definitely bring skills and perspective and our own unique um, experience. But I think the key thing is just it's the bare minimum is to start with having a young person there because our experiences are experience and it's not going to get more authentic than that and it only adds value 
but as long as you're making sure you're not just doing it for the value aspects but to make real change and to build that young person up to ensure that their voices are heard. I think it's really interesting to hear um, Liv's point and and for me I am in the workforce so I almost don't even see myself as young but when I'm in a board um, I do feel really young because you know there's a huge age gap um, between me and probably the next youngest person so I think actually I represent a whole different you know the the workforce that is going to have to work for the next 30 years Um, a lot of the projects that you know that these charities um, deliver on and the services that they're trying to um, help affect young people um, and that's you know anyone from you know children to someone in their late 30s I'd still say that counts as young um, so I think it's also um, thinking about that point of view and we have got experiences from from working and we have really different experiences some of us have just entering the workforce or we're um having to juggle you know parenthood or you know personal difficulties or moving out and you know we've, we've got different um challenges as well and the moment you're inclusive of of young people I think you're just likely to be inclusive of all those other people that I mentioned who probably have um different protected characteristics you know families or carers I think the moment you're inclusive for young people you're probably being quite inclusive to a lot of other people as well You've mentioned a few of them there, Ria, but are there other sort of barriers for younger people getting onto trustee boards that charities should be aware of? Definitely. Just the application to start with. I remember um, seeing some of other ones were just like there's loads of jargon that young people won't know about. Again, I'm lucky because I've been in the workforce, so I know what, you know, minutes are and quorums and all these words that you just like, you wouldn't know if you hadn't been in the workforce. So definitely like the application can be a barrier to some people. And then for me personally, the time commitment's been a big barrier. I have to do this on top of my day job and you don't get paid for being a trustee. So it's juggling that, you know, what's actually bringing the money in and versus what's, you know, really important role. Yeah, I think similar to Ria, when I first joined, I was like, have we got a dictionary that I could like get a breakdown of these words? Um, Because I think we're quite... It, we almost expect because we want to we as young people want to take up these roles that will know everything that it kind of requires and I remember being sat in some training and I was really overwhelmed and even attending the first board meeting I remember being quite teary because it was just a lot for me to come into and then questioning if I had the skills that they all had and I think even just thinking do I bring enough to the board and am I valuable enough because there's not a lot of young people in positions where they're trustees so because I couldn't see myself in other people or on other boards I couldn't see myself in the position that I have as a trustee which was difficult and that it's not only about attracting young trustees onto boards in the first place is it it's it's also how do you retain them how do you make sure that it's not too much of a burden on top of their day job or that they actually feel comfortable enough to be providing a meaningful contribution to the role and um live you've you've been a trustee for a few months now so not all that long but it's an organization that you were volunteering for previously right um what what have you found to be in an effective way of um making you feel more at home on the board well I've been with Reclaim since I was 12 so it was a nice kind of progression for me to then be 20 and be on the board of trustees and I think for me they were just very patient and understanding that this was a very new experience for me and something that I hadn't 
kind of tested or challenged myself to do before. So they made sure that another board member who was on a board elsewhere um, was a mentor to me. So we get to do like regular meetings before board meetings and get to debrief after because sometimes I will just leave a meeting and be like, what did they say? Why can I get that more Mancunian, please? Because I do not understand what they said. So I'd leave with words written down on my notepad and then go back to my mentor and be like, can you translate this, please? Um, And I think that's just really nice to feel that, feel heard and feel supported by the board. And it kind of removed the high expectations that I had on myself as well to perform like amazingly well, because I needed to know that it's okay to not know what I'm doing essentially and it is perfectly fine to ask questions and to mess up every now and then because I'm only young and it's a learning curve. I feel like I also had a experience of my board being quite um, supportive of having young people so um, the wildlife trusts were really good at bringing two young people actually at the same time I don't know if that was intentional or we were just you know the most qualified people which I'm sure we were but actually having two people joining at the same time both of us are people of colour and both quite young it's been really really nice to just know that I have someone who is going through a similar experience as me so that's actually been really really nice Um, had a similar thing as Liv where I've had a mentor as well so that's been really helpful as well and then the other thing is I was finding the the time commitment just a real struggle and I felt I didn't want to raise it because I felt worried that I was only raising this because um, you know I was young or because I felt I felt embarrassed that I didn't have I couldn't make time to do it in my day job um and I just knew I had to do something so I spoke to the chair about it and she was super super respective respective respectful of, of what I said um and we raised it with the rest of the trustees and they all completely agreed that we should try and make sure we have meetings at different times um so we're gonna we're gonna trial out using um meetings at different times which is which is an issue sometimes for some charities because you might have staff who are helping out with the meetings so obviously for them we don't want to be doing evening meetings because then they have to work for a really long amount of time so it's been a bit of a you know trying to find the solution that works for everyone but they just were happy to listen to that and make make the changes straight away what is it that you think you bring to a charity trustee board that no one else could bring? It's a hard question because I yeah, probably don't like talking about myself, but I would say, you know, lived experience of being a young person, a woman of colour, um, but really also being very clear that I don't, I'm not the representative of all of those things as well. So even just having that perspective of being like, this is my personal experience, but I'm not speaking for every young person or every woman or every person of colour um so I think I bring a different perspective as as does every trustee um and also just like being able to challenge stuff so for me I I experienced the programs from Reclaim so I don't want to say I'm like the most professional know the most about Reclaim on the board um but because I've been there for the past eight years and understand what it's like to be a young person on the receiving end of their decisions I think that definitely impacts my opinions and what I bring to the board because I am always prioritising the young people and making sure that it's stuff that they would want to learn about. And I think it's a really nice position as well because I'm kind of the middle person between Reclaim's youth board 
and the big board is what we'll call them. Um, and I get to really represent the young people, not just my own experiences as well, which I really like. And I think just growing up in Manchester where the programmes are delivered and like Rhea says, being a young person with lived experience, especially post-pandemic, is really important. And I just hope I'm doing the Reclaim Young People justice. I'm sure you are. Um, let's look a little bit broader than youth-focused charity. I mean, it makes perfect sense for, for you as somebody who's both participated in Reclaim's programs, but also you are of the generation of the people that, that this charity is seeking to serve. But why do you consider it important for young people to be represented on all types of charity boards? not necessarily those which have a specific youth focus? I think for me, it always adds value, not just to the organisation, but to the individual. I will hammer at home, we are the next generation, we are the future. And to not include young people on your boards is doing your organisation a disservice and also the society you live in. I think it's so important to embed youth voice in everything we do, even if you're not a youth focused organization it is so so important that we're empowering and enabling our young people to be in positions of power where they're around the table and sharing the power with adults so that roles like being a trustee become more accessible and something that we see within reach and something that we think that we can achieve and not something that's exclusive simply because we're young because our voices and our experiences are just as valuable as those who may be 10 years older than us, 20 years older than us. And I think organisations need to show that they're interested in the next generation. I would completely agree with a lot of that. And I also just think, you know, trustees, for ones that aren't youth focused, you might have an image in your head of just like an old white man's club, basically. And so it's so important to have just like different people to stop that group thing or like getting everyone to just agree with each other. I think you just need to have different people to come up with different solutions, different challenges to whatever's being raised. So I think that's just fundamentally why you need to completely agree with what Liv said, that you need just differences um, of opinion. And you've both articulated pretty clearly what the charity gets out of you and all of your effort and all out of all of those hours of work you put in. What do you get in return? Um, what are the kind of benefits that you see from from sitting on the board? For me, it's been really great to understand a different organisation. Um, it's one that's different to what I do as my day job, but you know, has a lot of similarities. It's one that I'm really passionate about as well. So I get to, getting to understand what actually goes on, and actually, as as I was talking to you about before, kind of you when you think of trustees, it seems mysterious and you have no idea what's going on because it's so senior and it's like this upper tier as as we've been talking about like we don't know what's going on there um so actually having visibility of what is going on there and it isn't as scary and it isn't like this horrible meeting with where people are sitting there in suits but actually it's just like a nice group of people um so I think you know understanding for me and for other young people and trying to share the message that we need to get more people in into um into boards would be um something that I'd say definitely I'm really proud to say I'm a trustee I definitely feel a bit embarrassed to say it sometimes or like have a bit of imposter syndrome that I'm a, I am one um but we need to get more young people in to start normalizing that and just to make it not you know not feel like wow that's amazing or that it should just be like cool so am I if you're nodding away sagely <laughs> yeah I think for me it's just one of those things where it's 
nice to be amongst adults that want the same thing as me. I think because I've been, I don't want to say an angry girl since 12, but really passionate about making change since I was a young person and constantly having adults in my face telling me, no, I can't speak until I can vote or why are you doing this? Nobody cares. And to be in a room full of adults that want the same things as me, have the same drive, want to uplift and enable me to make change is really refreshing. I think because of the response I got at a young age, I became very anti-adult. Um, so it's really nice to see and be able to share that power with them and hopefully impact and bring more young people onto the board. I really like um, a quote that I saw from the Young Trustee Movement. So they're almost, they're like a jobs board for how I saw this opportunity. Um and they were saying there's no such thing as a young trustee you're either a trustee or you're not and I think it's just like that's so powerful it's like we don't need we almost don't even need a label of being like you're the young trustee it's just we're a trustee or we're not yes I think you were reading my mind there because my 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 next question was going to be how you feel about the term young trustee and (laughs) how we can make sure and how charities can make sure that it doesn't just become a tokenistic role I despise the words young trustee. It does my head in. I don't understand why. And I just feel it's one of those things that is like, oh, they're a young trustee, like cut them a bit of slack. They're a bit younger than me. And the implications around it are just, ugh. And it's not progressive. It's going against everything that having a young trustee should be. And I think it, can be very tokenistic and you don't ever want a young trustee to slip back and it just be oh we have a young person on the board we're doing it for the future generation no that that needs to be a meaningful role and we need to really look at what that role is across all boards and the consistency of it as well um and what does young mean like why why put it there and why single us out? I don't have the tall trustee sat next to me and the short trustee to the left of me. Or the it's... old trustee to the right of you. <laughs> Can you imagine if I said the old trustee, I'd be so disrespectful. But why is that not disrespectful to me for highlighting that I'm young and it does not change the words, opinions or the impact I'm going to have? It, it's just unnecessary. We need to get rid of it. Yeah, I agree. And, but weirdly, I found myself probably using it as a way to like justify why I'm a trustee I'm always like oh yeah I saw it on the young trustee movement because I feel like that's the way I can be like I can justify why I I actually got this role and really what my role is is trustee EDI lead like that's so much more empowering and I feel sh- like shy to use that um so I think it's probably because yeah we're so there's so few of us that well, I personally have given myself this label because it makes me feel like that's why I've got it and and, and that's the only reason why. But I definitely think if, we, if it was ditched, that would help. That would really help. Um, I think we've got time for one last question. I mean, what do you think is preventing a bit more diversity on boards? I know we're now going back into the danger straight away of labelling people in different ways, but we've already mentioned they, they don't often reflect the charities and the people that they serve. Boards tend to be older, whiter and more male. Um what do you think has made that the case and what might change it? So many things. I think it's a reflection on the society we live in and what our society deems as a powerful person, which I think is very damaging because, like you say, it doesn't reflect the charities or the organisations that are being led by these people. And I think 
it definitely shifts the narrative and the intentions of organizations when the power is out of even the CEO's hands sometimes. And I think, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I'm starting to see change, but it's not changing at a pace that I'm satisfied with. Um, so it's definitely something that needs to be done. And again, not in a tokenistic way. It can't just be a tick box. We have um, a real diverse board now. Like it needs to be impactful and authentic, not just doing it so you don't look like you're not representing the organisation that you work for. I completely agree with what Liv was saying, that they were designed by the society we live in. Like, you know, even the fact that the term of being a trustee is quite long. And I think even that for young people might feel or for me, again, up for a lot of other people might think, oh, that's that's quite a long time. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in three years. Like, do I have the commitment to be a trustee for three years? Um, I don't know where I'll be living or what I'll be doing. Um, so I think even that is like just one thing that I just thought was, you know, one barrier to already being a trustee. And then also the other thing that sometimes I think COVID's definitely helped with this is um, like having to travel to meetings um, if it was in person you often have to pay for the train yourself and then expense it after. But that just assumes you can afford to, you know, get a very expensive train ticket to mm. um, somewhere else. So I think all of these like systems have just been the status quo for a long time until mm. you're starting to get different people in or like then the meetings are during the working day. Um, so all of these things have probably prevented people joining for a long time. So that's probably why. And on that note, <laughs> we have stolen both of your lunch breaks. Uh, so knowing how busy you are, thank you so much for joining us today. Liv Clark, trustee of the Reclaim Charity and Reassure, trustee of the Wildlife Trusts. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it's great to hear from uh, Liv and Ria, who are obviously just making these extraordinary contributions to their charities. And they were talking about being younger than your average trustee, although they're also very cautious about getting caught up too much in defining themselves that way. But the absence of younger trustees, it's not the only thing that Trustee Week is going to shine a light on. Lots of other questions about the diversity of boards and how to try and improve that. And Lucinda, I know you've been digging through the latest data on this. What do you find? I have. Well, the biggest survey um, was several years ago. It was in 2017, and that seems to be the most quoted one. Um, That found that 92% of trustees were white, older, aged between 55 and 64, and above average education income. And that is uh, charity commission research. Now, Third Sector did a diversity survey in 2020, and that found that while a third of charity staff are men, men make up 60% of trustees extraordinary isn't it it's one of those things that people inside charity have talked about for a long time that you have this disparity where there are far more women working at charities than men once you get into the upper echelons of senior executives and the most well-paid chief executives suddenly men dominate what a shock and then once you get into the trustee boardroom what are we finding again far more men than we are in the lower reaches of the charities. So it, it is one of those things where, again, you can just see that charities at different levels are not necessarily all operating in the same way, right? Some of the frontline work being carried out much more likely to be women, much more likely to be younger. You get into the trustee board, it just doesn't look like that anymore. Um, and clearly we've known this for, for quite a while. Yes, and I think people are increasingly realizing and acknowledging that this is a problem and that there needs to be a greater reflection of the people who charities are serving 
in their trustee boards and at the more senior levels of their management. Um, I mean, also, if you just look at charitable giving more generally, um, we reported a couple of weeks ago that Gen Z, so 18 to 24 year olds, are the most philanthropic demographic. So it seems like a no brainer to have them on boards. Mm. They, they are more likely to give to charity than any other age group. It's an amazing stat, isn't it? That basically they're, they're not giving the most money, but they are the most generous. And then you're thinking about, well, in 10 or 20 or 30 years, those are the people who might have a bit more money in their pockets to give away if charities do it right. And representation is going to be a crucial part of that. We, we have seen a few changes, I think, uh, for the better in recent years. I think about immigration charities, immigration is an area that I've worked in a lot in my career. And immigration charities were among the first, I think, to start recognising and making quite a lot of noise about you can't have a trustee board making all these governance decisions that simply doesn't represent the people that charity exists to serve. And there's quite a proactive effort to say, okay, people who've been through the refugee system, for example, or people who are first or generation immigrants to the UK, you know, were being sought out for both their lived expertise and for superb qualifications to come and help run charities. And there's been some real success in, in that area. So we are seeing it. Um, I think the example we had earlier from Ria and Liv is proof of that as well. But we're we're not quite there yet. Charities are quite youthful places, I've always thought. I started my career in charities before I was 30 years old. I'm rather a lot older now. And you think you walk into a charity, there's often frontline staff who are sort of very young and vibrant, getting out there and delivering services, policy mm. brains, people who are fresh out of university. Mm-hmm. You go to a trustee meeting and it looks completely different and the people don't look the same and the thought process isn't the same and the personal experience isn't the same. That just doesn't really make much sense, I think. Um, so it, it's got to be good to it's got to be good to mix it up. I agree. Now for the Good News Bulletin, featuring everything from the positive to the downright strange stories we've spotted in the sector. What's on the agenda today, Russ? Well, Lucinda, the Eastern Daily Press has reported some good news about politicians. We don't get enough good news about MPs, right? Uh, And what they had to say is that George Freeman, MP, um, who resigned from his ministerial role after just 10 months and then was appointed again three months later in this merry-go-round of Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak and all that. We won't go into that. No, no, no. Podcasts previous, you'll get at least 24 hours of uh, a third sector trying to work out what all that meant for the sector. Um, but part of that roller coaster is that ministers were being paid off rather generous five-figure severance fees and then being reappointed again to their jobs. So what's happening to all this money they were paid out because supposedly they were leaving government? And what Mr. Freeman has said is that he is going to pay off his overdraft and then he's going to donate the rest of his cash to charity. And the two charitable projects that he set up, one called the Norfolk Way and one called the Bridge of Hope, are going to get the money from him. Um, so what we're basically going to see is I quite like the sort of personal touch where he says he's going to pay off his overdraft. Even MPs on good salaries sometimes need to get their debts cleared first. But after that, he's named the charities that are going to get the money. That seems like excellent news. I don't know what the sum is, but it's a a lovely gesture and an MP doing something for their community. Mm. But is there a wider point to this? Uh, Yes, I think there definitely is. And anyone who sits next to me in the office, Lucinda, knows this is something that uh, I'm a little bit obsessed with. Yes. The charity sector is so often a useful shield for politicians. And what makes the example of George Freeman a little bit different is that we've got some proper detail about where the donation is going. If we felt cynical or sceptical, we could even phone up the charity or check their accounts and make sure that it arrived safely in their uh, inbox. Although I'm absolutely certain that is what happened in this case. But to give you an example, Rishi Sunak told Parliament several months ago when there was various money being thrown around by the government to help people with things. He said he was going to give his energy bill rebate to charity. 
So I contacted Team Rishi and said, well, which charity is going to get it and when's he going to pay it? Nothing. Never heard any explanation from them. Just over the last weekend, Grant Shapps, a minister who lost his job and then went back in with one, he said that he's going to give some of that money to charity. So I contacted Team Shapps and said, hey, where's Grant Shapps' money going to go? And answer there came none. And finally, and you'll notice a bit of a pattern here, I also tried to find out what's going to happen to the money that Greg Clark, the former levelling up minister, he says he's going to give that money to charity as well. I phoned up the office of Greg Clark and asked whether or not they could tell me which charity was going to get the cash and when it was going to be paid and they didn't get back to me and still haven't. Well perhaps you just need to be shouting louder Russ, you need to be (laughs) doorstepping these people. I think if Third Sector wants to sort of change the editorial policy for more doorstepping I would be absolutely right there. Now what about Matt Hancock, flavour of the month or perhaps not depending on your opinion this week. He has announced that he's going to donate part of his appearance fee on I'm a Celebrity to St Nicholas Hospice Care. Well, mixed picture, as usual. That's what news reporters always say. Uh, I'm an absolute sucker for hospices in particular. They just do such incredible work. Mm -hmm. They go under the radar of an awful lot of government support. So they really do rely upon public donations, support, sometimes from families who've seen loved ones go through the hospice system. So I'm an absolute sucker. So the idea of of more money going to hospices, I will always back. Here are some important questions to look out for. Exactly how much is Matt Hancock being paid to go on the TV show? Because he says he's going to give some of that fee. Well, how much is some of a fee? We don't know what it is yet. So we could do with a bit more transparency. And I'd be genuinely interested. How much is this hospice going to make off the back of Matt Hancock going out to Australia to do his thing? Because if they do well out of this as a charity and can put it into looking after people who need help, Listen, I'm all for it. So that may be a better use of his time as an MP than looking after his constituents on this side of the world. I mean, you're putting words in my mouth, Lucinda. I (laughs) say absolutely nothing of the sort. I will say possibly his constituents are going to look on as they watch him eating sort of animal body parts and bits of a kangaroo that nobody wants to put in their mouth. They may want to focus on the fact that a local hospice is going to get money rather than focusing too much on the grim bits. Well, we watch this space. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week to talk about TikTok for charities. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the Third Sector podcast to be the first to know about it. And if you have any thoughts on our podcast, such as what topics you'd like to see us cover in future episodes, please do get in touch with us on Twitter at Third Sector. And our DMs are always open. Until then, I am Russell Hargrave. And I'm Lucinda Rouse. Thank you to our guests, Ria Shah and Liv Clark, and our producer, Nav Pal. Join us again next week. 